Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> I think you just wanted to say Feliz Navidad. Anyway, it's so good. Well, uh, I have such a burden to open God's Word and declare what He's uh, deposited into me, but I want to make mention of just a few announcements. One is, no, Jay High, we did not forget about you. You're about to go. But last week, uh, we wanted to make introduction of Pastor Josh, his wife, Kim, Trifonoff, and you guys had already left before I came up. So this week, we're going to do it, and then you can leave. Come on, Pastor Josh, would you stand? Wave to everybody. If... Uh, so we're excited. Thanks for being here. Now you guys can all go. There you go. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. Thanks for, thanks for being here. God bless you. There you go. You're out of here. Also, um, we'll make a couple other uh, staff updates here in a second, but also we've got some QR codes coming up on the screen. There's a new movie coming out February 23rd in the theaters. Uh, it's called Jesus Revolution. It kind of goes back to what God did across America before I was born in the 80s. So we're talking 60s and 70s. And uh, February 23rd, you could buy tickets to a movie theater uh, because... I am nice. I procured a theater. Now, I have a friend who's helping. So if you want to scan this code, on the left is 6.30, on the right is 7 o'clock for this Tuesday night. It'll be free just for our church on Tuesday night in Edina. Um, before the service, we had 55 signed up for the 6.30 and 72 for the 7 o'clock, and there's 139 in each. So there was like, whatever the math is, a few tickets left. So if you'd like to sign up this Tuesday night, uh, I think my kids are going to the 6.30, but anyway because it's quicker for the bedtime. Anyway, um, praise the Lord. And so you can sign up for that Jesus Revolution, uh, Jesus People Movement, that church in Minneapolis. We saw a great revival uh, tomorrow night. Going to be uh, showing this to a number of pastors from Minnesota. And we're going to be praying. If God did it before, right here in Minneapolis, let him do it again. Amen? So uh, if you'd like to take advantage of that, you can do so. Sign up online. The password's there. And uh, Pastor David will post that as well on that. Also, in accordance uh, with our bylaws, we have our annual business meeting coming up uh, March 8th. Once the uh, uh, accountant reviews everything for the year. Anyway, March 8th. So for the next month or a few weeks, you can nominate people to be on the board. Those processes are listed there. You can nominate. I think there might be two spots. I'm not really sure, but praise the Lord for that. And um, also then other staff updates. So we mentioned this on Wednesday night. I just encourage you to make the prayer meeting, make the prayer gathering. God's doing great things. Pastor Vicente taught on prophecy and we're asking God to release that spirit. Also helping us learn to hear what's not from the Lord. Amen. So there's also, it's double-edged sword, right? It says not everything that sparkles or glitters is gold. Praise the Lord. But uh, anyway, um, also, yeah, I was saying staff. Okay, on Wednesday night, we mentioned uh, in the past year, Pastor Joe and Shelly, they're right over there. Stand up, wave at everybody. Uh, have been leading prayer counseling and... Um, 
Alpha and premarital stuff. So this next year we're multiplying. They're not going to be involved with the prayer council ministry, but leading the premarital alpha and some new stuff for marriages going forward because we want to build up uh, healthy marriages too, not just try to help those that are struggling. I mentioned last week, we talk a lot about how to get married, not so much about how to be or stay married. So we're going to work on that. So that means we're multiplying ministry in the area of prayer counseling and deliverance. Yes, I'm using that word publicly because if you're going through something significant with an evil spirit, you ought to just go ahead and name it, use the word. We're not scared of it. So we are excited to have, I was part of his credentialing process last year, Pastor Andy Aboki, his wife, Ash, would you guys stand? They're going to be leading prayer counseling and deliverance. So you can still email Pastor Joe getting everything transferred over there. You can still email prayer at celebratechurch.net. They'll get it. Also, if you want to email him directly, still works full-time. Pastor Joe full-time in IT and he full-time at TSA with great bosses, if you're watching, by the way. Uh, Ash really loves her boss because she works at TSA now too with uh, ND, so that's amazing. But if you want to email him directly, it's ND, the letters ND. We don't want to give you the whole endicari because then all the white people will mess it up. You know, so ND at celebrationchurch.net. We're just excited for what God is doing and we see ministry multiplying here in these days. Amen? Also, I just wanted to mention last week as we talked about restoration of the family, um, I read a, a study this week that said uh, almost a quarter of U.S. children live in single-parent homes, uh, which my wife had thought it'd be higher than that, but there are different percentages, you know, different things. But the shocking thing is it's the most in the world, that no other country in the world has more kids in single-parent homes than America. So we talked about it last week, what did Pope John Paul say, right, as the family goes, so the nation goes. As our nation goes, so the world goes. So we see yet more examples. And I understand there are different realities and all that, but what we know is in our nation, there's been an erosion of what God has put together in the family. I understand a lot of factors, a lot of things. All I know is we are the worst in the world. And what we know is that most of the world looks to us to help lead in different areas, not to tell them this is the way, but so we're praying for our nation. A lot of stats will say our nation's the third biggest mission field in the world. So whatever your take on that is, pray for our country, amen? All right, well, we're continuing our series, Spirit and Power. Uh, I remind you, like I said last week, uh, by the way, if you missed last week, go back and watch it online. I don't know what we posted, but I think I, apparently I said a few more things in this service than I did in the first service last week. So if you have a choice, watch the second one, because apparently I said a few more things that people in the first service were like, we didn't hear that. I'm like, I'm sorry, I had more time in the second. I don't know, whatever it is. But I remind you, I'm not mad, I'm not angry, but I do believe I'm here on assignment. Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Tarries, asked the question, is soul hot preaching a lost art? We live in a time when soul hot preaching may be received or may sound similar to angry or frustrated preacher. And I remind you, I'm none of those things by the grace of God, but I do believe I'm here on assignment and I'm asking the Lord to help me speak as clearly as I believe I've heard from him to you today. Last week, we, we shared the three prayer, prayer mandates that I believe I received at the end or beginning of December from Luke chapter one. The Bible said that John the Baptist, I'll get to the notes in a minute and we'll get to today's sermon, but 
John the Baptist would go out in the spirit and power of Elijah. So we've titled our theme, we feel like, from the Lord for this month is spirit and power. And I began to do more study that, that he was there in the days of Ahab and Jezebel. I'll preach on that in just a couple of weeks. And, and, and it was this need for a spiritual showdown. But what did specifically the spirit of empower, empower of Elijah carry, that John the Baptist would go forth? It, it had a lot to do with restoration. The first one was restoration of the family. He said to turn the hearts of the parents back to the children. So last week we talked about that, that prayer mandate that I believe God gave to me and by virtue our church for this year, the message we need to see in our nation specifically a restoration of the family. Can I get a good amen? So today, then he said that, that it would be turned the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. So today we're going to talk about revelation for the foolish. There's some things that, that I just think, I don't know any other word to describe it than simply foolish that we see today that's being accepted as normal or perhaps even good. He said we need the disobedient to turn to the wisdom of the righteous. And we'll talk about that today. And then next week, we're talking about preparation of the church. What did he say? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Come on, he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And the American church got too many spots and way too many wrinkles. Come on. So that's where we're going. I'm not mad, but I am ready. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. We're going to repair the altar of the Lord that's been torn down in our nation and in too many churches. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Judges chapter two. If you're able, if you'd stand to your feet this morning for the reading of God's word. In the first service, I turned to the book of Joshua, which is one before Judges. So you might want to slide one over. Jo Judges, I almost said Joshua again. Praise the Lord. I got a lot to say, not a lot of time to do it, but I'll be done before the Vikings game starts. Praise the Lord, okay, and before your kids' workers are ready for you to pick your kids up. Praise the Lord, okay, Judges uh, chapter 2, Judges chapter 21, Proverbs chapter 14. The Bible says like this, Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Spiritually ignorant, eternally unaware. We may use the phrase today, biblical illiteracy or biblically illiterate. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25 the Bible continues the description. It bookends in the book of Judges. It's listed in other places, but as it closes the text, it says, in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. I suggest to you today that it sounds eerily similar to they did as they felt like. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. Amen. Revelation for the foolish. Amen. Let us pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask with the help of your Holy Spirit that you help me today as I teach and I preach, and may I even prophesy. 
For in our day, as we read about in Judges and many times throughout history, we find ourselves at a pivotal point in our nation once again. And we ask, oh God, for great supernatural revelation for the foolish again today. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help none of us leave the same. But may we all be challenged and changed to becoming more like you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here's what I ask of you this morning as you find your note sheet today. Stay with me through the whole message. As I mentioned last week, I'm trying to preach as prophetically as God will enable me. And today, I believe there will be some moments that you want to cheer and others that you may want to criticize. But stay with me and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight on your heart if what I say is in alignment with Scripture because I feel a deep burden for our nation and for you, this community that God has placed us in known as Celebration Church. And while it might be easier for me to talk to you about how to get healthy in this new year with messages on how to become happy and healthy on the cover of every magazine this month, but as I mentioned last week, the Lord would not have me tell you what you want to hear, but what in fact you need to hear. So you see on your notes, we see from the book of Judges, from the text that we've read today, the problem is, in fact, a godless society. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, the Bible said, in those days Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. If I could summarize the book of Judges, the ups and downs, the ebbs and the flows, if I could summarize for you today, I would describe the book of Judges as one filled with apathy and apostasy. That when the people of God are apathetic for long enough, the result is always apostasy. That when we fail to engage with the eternal truth of God's word, when we fail to communicate with the divine one for long enough, a turning of our back is in fact the normal and natural response. As I've mentioned many times before, but I mention again today, in case you're new with us, I'm well aware that this text was not written to America. But it sure sounds like it could have been written for America. For instance, I can't count the number of times I've heard modern phrases that I believe sound essentially the same as this ancient text. That in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. You may be wondering, well, pastor, what are those phrases? I'm glad you asked. Here's one, my truth. When feelings override facts. Now, remember, if you're new, 
I don't know when I've, I've talked about it a lot. You need to feel your feelings. But there are many times you should not follow your feelings. Right? It's, it's also not helpful for somebody to say, oh, don't feel your feelings. Push them down. That's when an explosion has, like, That's a problem as well. So feel your feelings. But there's a lot of times... That's why you need people around you to help say, you know what? Don't follow that feeling. But there is no such thing as my truth. There is only the truth. There are my feelings. There is my story. And we need to lean into those type of things. But when we say my truth, it should not be a surprise if everyone does as they see Let me give you another one, perhaps more controversial today. Another phrase that I pray, you, if you've said it before, you don't say it again. I hope no one under my leadership is this unintelligent to say this phrase. If you are an American citizen, do not say the phrase, not my president. Turns out it was more controversial than the first phrase. Turns, turns out I was right. <laughs> if you're not an American citizen, feel free to say it. But if you're here, if you've been given the privilege, the blessing, the advantage of being born here, or maybe you immigrated here, whatever it is, if you've got an American citizenship card, certificate, whatever it is, don't be so uninformed as to say something factually incorrect. Now, you can say, not the president I voted for, not the president I wanted, not the president I think our nation needs, but please don't be ignorant. But we live in a time where our feelings override facts. And we should not be surprised when that happens that it's the modern equivalent. Newsflash, right? It doesn't matter if you voted for the, that person. It doesn't matter what the immigration policy. It doesn't matter. What, I'm just saying if you're here, if you're a citizen, that's... In those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did as they saw Ezekiel gave descriptions for problems in the land. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 29, he said, the people of the land, I remind you this was not written last year, it's a long time ago, but he said, the people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. <laughs> That's the first part of the verse. <laughs> he goes on to say, they oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner. Now, you've got to admit, I understand America's not in the Bible, but it's getting pretty close. <laughs> and he's like, if you don't know who I'm talking to, he says, they also deny them justice. Now, that's quite a list of problems. But I want to remind everyone, but those are evidences or those are fruit of the root. 
Those are not the actual problems. Those are the outcomes. Those are the natural human result of the problem of a godless society. Now, there's some other fruit that's going around today, but I need to remind you, I'm going to mention them because I wrote about them, but, but I don't want you to spend too much time looking for the fruit. We've got to get back to the root, which is a godless society, because what happened then may be happening now. What's happening now may look different when our children are adults, but what you need to understand is whenever there is a godless society, whenever people do as they see fit, of course there's going to be bad fruit because they're the product of poisoned roots. Look around today. We see gender confusion. We see sexual immorality and the utter and continual celebration of sin in our land. Let me just talk about them for a moment. Gender confusion. I, I, I don't have time to preach whole messages. There was another series that I did called We Need to Talk, but medicine.net, medicine.net. I googled this week, but it's from a medical journal. Medical author Shazia Alaraka, MD, medical reviewer Pallavi Suyog Utakar, MD. I'm quite positive they're smarter than me. Academically, the article listed on medicine.net is titled, What are the 72 other genders? Now, the Bible says, male and female, he created them. There was a time where gender was tied to your anatomy. There was differences in the male physical body and the female physical body body. There was differences in the male uh, internal stuff. And women, you know, like, anyway. Um, there's different hormones. But when we move from facts about anatomy to feelings of identity, we end up with 72 genders currently. Oh, how rapidly things have changed. I don't have time and won't read them today. You can Google it. I gave you all the info you need to, but they list different things when your gender is based upon a feeling or the people around you or what. Now, let me also just mention, again, for for holistic conversation. I recognize that there are a very small percentage, but non-zero, that have some chromosome variations. Different studies you might want to read, or maybe don't. I can save you the time, but like 0.02% on one side, or 1.7% if they want to talk about that variation, intersex, different uh, things. And maybe you're here and you fall in that statistically very small category, but not zero, I understand that there are different challenges than just check your plumbing, to say it crudely. And yet, all of these amounts of confusion or differences 
even factual, statistical, biological, chromosome variations are all results of sin that entered the world long ago. And now, if you will, the bloodline, different things have entered into mankind. We talked about this a few Wednesdays ago. By we, I mean Pastor Dan talked about it, right? Like, what were things that happened before? Because you can read in the Bible and you're like, if it was Adam and Eve, how did they have more than one generation? Somebody got married to somebody that they knew. Don't recommend it today. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just like, those are realities, but there's a difference. And so I don't think we recorded that, praise the Lord. But anyway, Pastor Dan talked about it. Go watch it. So whatever those are, there's confusion today. Burnsville School District recently approved a policy. The difference between a policy and a procedure is policy is a school board approved that then, you know, versus a procedure is an internal memo, which by the way, you can find out about those through the Freedom of Information Act. Ask me how we know, ask my wife, she does them. All right, um, Burnsville passed a policy that teachers cannot tell the parent if the kid identifies as a different gender at school than at home. By the way, I would just like to mention that it was the Muslims in Burnsville that raised their voice in opposition the strongest that has made the school board say, well, maybe we chose wrong words. I don't know if they chose the word they wanted to or not, but I know there's confusion surrounding this topic. Prior Lake, I have the school, I mean, uh, the yearbook. There's a teacher that dresses up as a cat most days. I don't know if he or whatever, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's intentional, like an identification. I don't know if it's just an opportunity to read. I've not asked said teacher, so I'm not at all going to broach upon motive because I think one of the things that we need to do, hear me, someone needs this. Maybe it's another pastor watching. Only speak to fact. Don't need to add things that you don't know about. You don't need to add anything else, but so I'm not assigning motive. But what I know is it's not normal. And kids are moldable. If you study generations, we've seen like a doubling of difference within sexual orientation or gender identity as we've looked back from boomers into the others. And and now what we see recently, so much even in Generation Z, is we see something called rapid onset gender dysphoria. Because our society is telling people you don't know who you are. And some of the teaching has come from a decent place. What do I mean? We've had some gender stereotypes that haven't helped us, friends. For instance, boys like trucks, girls like dolls. So now, if you're a girl and you want an F-150, you must be gay. And I'm like, I don't like either one. I hardly know what to order off the menu. And now I got to pick from 72. I got confused reading them. I was like, this sounds like number 13. So, so we've, 
I remember growing up, we would call a girl who likes sports a tomboy. No, she's a girl that likes sports. So I'm not saying that, that we didn't need to correct some things, but we've gone too far. All right, this is like, I'm on paragraph three of point number one. This is, this is not going as fast as I had hoped. <laughs> All right, let me, let me talk about another one. This might hit a little bit closer to home. <laughs> Sexual immorality. Button my jacket for this one. <laughs> By the way, it's a shacket. I know you love it. My wife picked it out for me. Let me talk about pornography, promiscuity, and abortion. Welcome to celebration. (laughs) Let me just start by saying that is the natural progression of sin running rampant in our land. There's a state representative right here in Minnesota that uh, just filed a bill again regarding comprehensive sexual health education programs for elementary students. The previous version, because I haven't read the latest one, she stated one of the most important parts of comprehensive sex education is knowing about gender identity, and I was never taught that there was anything other than a heteronormative view of relationships. Now, I just want to mention, there was like a loophole in the bill that parents could opt out. I don't know if you would have known about it, but so I'm not, again, I'm not adding to the story saying that it was going to be forced on everyone, but I'm still concerned that we have any adult that wants to teach kids that there's a different way for you to follow how you feel. Let me just say, let me give you some advice that another pastor friend of mine, Pastor Lon, John Lindell, gave me for parents, caretakers, aunts, uncles. You're like, oh, those kind of things, even those words, I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. Let me give you three quick things that you should do. It's a four-point sermon. I got subpoints all over the place. It's all right. Parents, caretakers, aunts, uncles, or if you just care, be informed. If what I've said to you just now is like, I never heard of such a thing, you need to do some homework. Be informed. Number two, be involved. Don't sit back and just, oh, well, they'll figure it. No, no, be involved in your kids' lives, what's going on. And the third thing, be in charge. Again, I'd like to just remind everybody, like Pastor John told me, not like as a dictator, I talked about last week, talk to your kid like a human. Still as a child, still as a minor, but as a human. You don't need to be a jerk, but you need to be in charge. There are just some things, you know, another way to say it is, my kids don't have a right to privacy from me. It's my device, it's my phone, it's my room. All four bedrooms are mine in Mother Ross' house because my wife said they're mine. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm just saying they're ours. None of our kids have their own bedroom. We got one bedroom for us and three guest bedrooms that we let our kids sleep in. So we have conversations. 
we let them know we're checking your devices because we love you. This isn't, when I say be in charge, I'm not talking about sneak around and tricking them. I let them know because I love you, I'm involved. Because I care, we ask you a question. And because we know better, there's some homes you don't get to do a sleepover at. That's not even in my notes, but somebody needed that. I buttoned up my jacket, so it had to be from the Lord. I don't, I don't know, but I just, come on, be involved. All right, promiscuity and abortion. Hmm. Might as well just keep going. <laughs> now, occasionally I'll go on Twitter, which is probably a bad choice, but I've read very few, but I have read there are some who, according to their words, sound like they hate babies. Now, again, I just stay with me like through the whole paragraph. They smile at the discussion of abortion. They seem to enjoy it. I mean, like super small amount of people. I, I read that they said they want to get pregnant so they can have an abortion. But I believe, in my opinion, and my gift of spiritual suspicion, is that that is a super small percentage. And if you focus on comments like that, you'll miss what's really going on or where most people are at. And I believe most consider abortion to be a convenience, not a life goal. This is important, friends. Even if an act was clearly hatched in the pit of hell, not the throne of heaven. The Bible says life comes from God and we ought to value all life. All of those things, if we can remind ourselves for a moment that most did not pencil in their journal as a nine-year-old, I hope one day I get to have an abortion. It might help us in dealing with those who are confronted with desperation. But I think, we talk a lot about abortion, I think it's just the natural progression of a society, hear me, that relishes sexual immorality. Call me crazy, I think if people didn't look at pornography, abortion rates would go down. It's not that I think there's a lot of women that are waking up saying, I hope this year I get to have one. But are, we live in a society that refuses to follow God's instructions for sexual relationships. So like explicitly, often on the topic of abortion, the, the, the discussion, the topic, the, the tragedies of rape and incest always are, are, are brought up. And let me just say this slowly. I wrote it in my notes. Say this slowly. I did. If I email you this, you look, page three, paragraph three, say this slow. Rape and incest are against God's instructions for sexual relationships. A lot of times we talk about the result of a mom or a couple who feels trapped and has this problem, they don't know what to do, but it's really evidence of a society that relishes sexual immorality. And what is that? It's a problem of a godless society. This is what Paul, the apostle said in Romans chapter one and verse 28. 
Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, listen to this, God gave them over to a depraved mind so they do so that they do what ought not to be done. Verse 32, although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things you know what? Let me read you the list. I got time. It's second service. She ain't going anywhere. <laughs> they were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips. Not you, the people of the other service. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Get Jay High back down here. I'm just kidding. Pastor Josh. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Notice how wide the opportunity for mankind is to fit in this problem whenever we deviate from what God knows is best to what we think is best. There's a wide range in there. Maybe you don't feel like you're doing every kind of wickedness and evil and greed, but do you gossip? Are you arrogant? Are you boastful? Do you lack love? Do you lack mercy? There's a lot of room to go your own way here. And it says, although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those things, but they approve of those who practice them. Number two, I, I got it. Number two. <laughs> the reason, the problem is a godless society, but the reason is a silent church. Yeah. Right. Right. Now I learned in the first service, it's all caps on your note sheet. For me, it was just a capital C church because that, that's not to say the reason is a silent celebration or not. I, what I'm saying is it's you and I. It's the global church of Jesus Christ. What did it say? That after that generation died, another generation arose that knew neither God nor what he had done for Israel. Think about it. Somebody slash everybody dropped their responsibility. So this isn't just about somebody else. I got to unbutton my jacket. It's way too hot. I mean, it looks good, but I am just sweating up here today. Uh, Somebody else, it's not just, oh, get them, that type of church. That, it, it's like, look in the mirror. It's all of us. This is our responsibility. Remember what did we talk about last week? God's design was for the home to be the primary spiritual influence and the church to be a partner in that process. What did he say? Write it on the door frames of your house. Teach it to your children. You and I are responsible for what happens in our home. Now that doesn't mean if we teach it the right way, everybody does the right thing, right? People have their own human condition so that we get to choose and I get all that. But what I'm saying is God always chose his church, his Christians, his ecclesia called out ones, you and I. He's always called his people to be light in the dark world. Why? To show the world who God is in a time of idolatry and spiritual darkness. 
It was true back then and it's true today. We live in a time of idolatry and spiritual darkness. The reason is a silent church. It's one of the most scary verses and saddest in all of scripture to me. That one generation experienced a mighty move of God and the next generation was lost and unaware. They have commercials that say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but we've seen enough reports to know that's just not true. And by the way, that's not an attack on Vegas, it's just an illustration. What I wanted to say, <laughs> I have great friends that live in Vegas, it's all good, praise the Lord. Hi, Ronaldo, good to see you. Okay, anyway. Tragically, what happens in church often stays in church. What have we said before? If what happens in here stays in here, it will die in here. And what we've done is we've separated, we've relegated, we've isolated the moving of God and his Holy Spirit to a Sunday morning. Maybe we're uh, really, we love the church and we come to Wednesday prayer gathering as well, but we've separated what God does in our life spiritually from the way in which we lead our home, we conduct business, we interact in the community, we've compartmentalized our faith. Now, I'm not an expert. It's a long list that I could finish that sentence with, but I'm not an expert in Old Testament original language. It was written in Hebrew. I took one week of Hebrew in Bible college. One week was enough to know that was gonna ruin my GPA. So I transferred, praise the Lord. I mean, they were putting like dots and you gotta read right to left. And I was like, this is not for me, praise the Lord. I switched to Greek and, and uh, got an A minus, praise the Lord. But I just, I was like, Hebrew, that's gonna mess. So, so I didn't, I don't, I will admit to you, I've not been able to study original language. I don't have any extra inferring, but, but I have a hard time believing that no parents said something to their kid. Like here we have a generation that has experienced the deliverance of God. We, they've experienced the freedom that only he can bring. They've seen him move on their life and it says the next generation grew up and they didn't know the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And I thought, how could it be that in millions of homes, people could experience a move of God and none of their kids knew anything? And again, I can't prove it in the text. I just share with you what I feel like the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart for at least my home and yours today. It wasn't that the parents didn't say anything about God, but perhaps they didn't help their kids actually know him. You see, there's a difference between dissemination of information and experiencing God for yourself. Memorizing facts about him is different than having a relationship with him. You know, that's one reason, friends, why I believe it's imperative that we help our kids wrestle with their faith. I hope my kids ask big questions before they leave my house. See, I hear a lot of stats, you know, and kids go to college and all that. I'm just telling you, I'm praying uh, what I felt witnessed in our house, I want my kids to wrestle with stuff when I can be there to coach them before somebody else 
is telling them. So don't minimize questions from your kids and conversations from other people. If they're asking, be grateful that they're trusting you in that moment, that the Holy Spirit has you in that conversation at that time, wrestle with them. God can handle the questions. God can handle the difficult things. It's got to be more than just memorizing the right answers. We've got to live out the message that we have memorized. Let me just give you another encouragement this morning. Don't assume someone else is explaining the things of God to them. Talk to your kids. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your coworkers. Most of mine are saved. Because so many Christians, we can easily fall into the trap of serving God and doing our personal devotions and forgetting the need of sharing his love with others. What do I mean? It seems like many Christians have forgotten that Jesus said, go into all the world and not just come to church. Some of you are like, I can't believe the pastor said that. That's not going to have the result he intends. Let me finish the paragraph. We come to church because we are the church. And because we are the church, we do more than just come to church. We must go into all the world lest we repeat Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 in 2023. Number three. Problem, the reason, here we see the result, is an eternal death. This is why it matters. This is why we must speak up. This is why we must speak out the truth of God's word. The Bible says, Proverbs 14 and 12, there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. If this were just a matter of opinion, then fine, have it your way and I'll have mine. But friends, this message of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, it's not Burger King. You cannot have it your way. God's word tells us that the way many people are going, in fact, leads to death. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Now, I'm not saying that everybody thinks their way will lead to death. In fact, I think most people don't believe that. The enemy makes that road, that way, seem as appealing as possible. Sin is fun for a season. But when the bill comes due, it leads to death. Think of it this way. Can you imagine how many people would eat dessert if it tasted like vegetables? Come on, somebody. Nobody! Our missionary to Japan gave me some Japanese dessert. I spit that garbage right back out. I was like, that is terrible. It didn't have any sugar. He was like, it's made of vegetables. I was like, why would I eat that for dessert? rather fast. (laughs) But isn't that the way with sin? The way that leads to death, if it tasted like vegetables, nobody would pick it. Like Satan's not brilliant, but he's not too dumb either. Like the the road that leads to death, it's wide. It's, 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 It's a fun, it's a party, it's let's go. But when you wake up, 
it leads to destruction. Of course, it's fun for now. If it wasn't fun, nobody would pick it. I used to tell people all the time, if you're sinning and you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Talk to somebody else. You're doing it wrong. But living for God is more fun because you don't wake up with regret. You don't look back and say, no, wait, there's no, what did Jesus say? I've come to give you life and life to the full. You want to live your best life now? Live it for Jesus. Because the road you're on, it leads to death. It might seem fun right now, but in the end, it leads to death. You see, we're dealing with something far more serious than a sports team difference. We're talking literally about life and death for all of eternity. Pastor friend of mine, Pastor Don Ross, he leads the Assemblies of God in the state of Washington. Believe it or not, even with the last name Ross and in the Assemblies of God, no relationship to me here on earth. In heaven, we're brothers, but down here, we're just friends. He said, hell is hot, lasts forever, but no one needs to go there. The result, it's an eternal Death. You know, there's plenty of conversation today in the political arena about the road that we're on as a nation. Some claim that this way will result in a total climate collapse, and some are talking about population growth or stagnation. There's back and forth on taxes and benefits and all these things, but friends, everything that they're discussing is temporary. Not only do things tend to shift every four or eight years or whatever in America, but either way, even if it lasts a little while longer, it's still temporary in light of forever. James chapter four and four said, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I think we can and should have an opinion on temporary matters. But truthfully, they don't matter in light of eternity. The sin issue is one that demands payment for all of eternity. They say hindsight is twenty twenty, and sometimes things only make sense when we look back upon them. But how many people know that when you die, it's going to be too late to look back and change your mind about your eternal destination? You cannot face judgment and change your previous Decisions. So if you're on that road this morning and you find out today that you've been going the wrong way, why not turn around and make a change today? Don't wait another minute. None of us are promised tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and today can be your day. Number four, it's the most important one. The solution is Jesus our Lord. If you leave here today with any takeaway other than this, I've not done justice to the truth of God's word. If you leave here today focused on the problem of a godless society, I've not done a complete description of where we are. If you leave focused on the reason of a silent church, I've given you an incomplete understanding of what he said. If you're focused on the result of eternal death, you're you're leaving misguided, and I've not done my job as the servant of God today, but I need you to leave knowing that the only solution is Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. We so often, and somewhat rightfully so, talk about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is, in fact, the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of all mankind. And we believe that we are saved right when we believe. We don't have to do a bunch of good works. We don't have to practice at it. We don't have to get better. We don't have to do more. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says at that moment, the old is gone and the new has come. We've been saved and set free forever. Can I get a good amen? For me, that happened in my bedroom. I was three and a half years old and I knelt down on the side of my bed and I asked the Lord Jesus to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life and make me a new creation. For many of you, perhaps that that happened in a church service. Maybe at the end, the preacher asked, as I will again today, if you needed to get saved, if you're not right with God, but you wanted to be, for some, that moment is still ahead of you. And I was impressed so deeply in my prayers for you last night as I slumped away, away from the family and into the quiet recesses of our home, just praying for you. God would bring you here, not by accidents and not by happenstance, but on purpose. But what doesn't get talked about enough in our churches in America is that Jesus Christ is not just our Savior, but he is our Lord. The one who's in charge of our daily lives, not just the one who saves us in the moment. I'm so thankful for that decision, but that decision must change our direction. When we're saved, we need to become more like him. That's every decision under his lordship. What do we read in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 11? And I move toward a close. He said, I am the Lord and apart from me, there is no savior. That's who he is, friends. Yes, we've got to follow Jesus in order to be saved. Lest you've been sold a gospel-like message, an incomplete picture of the gospel. Here in America, it seems different than many of our brothers and sisters around the world, but it seems many American pulpits have reduced following Jesus down to just simply escape the punishment of hell. But in reality, friends, there's so much more to following Jesus than not going to hell. Solution that our world needs is Jesus, our Lord. We pray today for revelation for the foolish. I'm not sure what is left to be said for those in our nation who represent those phrases in the book of Judges, that in those days they had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. We live in a time where people treat their eternal destination like a choose-your-own-adventure book. All roads will lead there. You go this way, I'll go that way. So we're praying for God to do what only he can do, to reveal himself to those who've got more information but so little knowledge, to reveal himself to those learned a lot, but they've forgotten even more. Because I remind you, friends, the solution is not a political candidate. By the way, that would have been a good spot for somebody to say amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I only got one in the first service too, you know. 
It was Pastor David. Where are you at, Pastor David? Come on, help me out in both services. Amen. He's in the sound booth. All right, thank you. It's too late now, David. You missed your moment. The solution is not in Greenpeace or climate change or whatever else, right? The solution is not anything that we can come up with, friends. The only solution, it's the one there's only been and ever will be, the only solution is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what are we gonna do about it, friends? Because our world needs Jesus, maybe you are still in need of his saving grace today, of his sanctifying grace. Paul said it this way in his letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We're praying for revelation for the foolish. In case you missed that, I know time's gone, but I'm, since I'm already over, I might as well just keep going now. Um, we're praying for revelation for the foolish, not us making the foolish feel more foolish. We're praying for revelation for the foolish. We're praying for God to do what only he can do, not really us helping him. I might have to do a whole message on that because it sounds like some people need more teaching on that. I could just, that's my gift of suspicion. You need more help because you're like, I'm gonna help him. He does not, anyway. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So if we're praying for revelation for the foolish, we're praying for those who are perishing. And what does it say? But to us who are being saved. That's what we really are praying for, friends. Like, don't leave praying more about gender than someone's salvation. Don't leave praying more about pornography than salvation. Like, Keep the first things first. But those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Leonard Ravenhill said that one of our problems is that we've resorted to, we've been deceived into thinking that the Bible is primarily a book to be explained. When in reality, it's meant to be believed and obeyed. The truth is, there is more than one thing in the Bible that I would struggle to explain to you today. I can't believe the pastor. No, no, I'm just telling you. There's some stuff in there that even Pastor Dan can't explain. And just so in case you're like, oh, did he make, that's not making fun of Pastor Dan. I'm saying he knows more about some of that stuff than me. And there's some stuff where he can't explain it. But the primary purpose of the Bible, this book, it's not that we can explain it. We just need to believe it and obey it. And that's where the power is found. So even as I'm praying for God to reveal himself, do what only he could do. I'm doing my best. I'm living my life. I'm, I'm going to give it everything I've got. But at some level, we need God to do. And we just need people to believe his word and to obey his word. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I need to close in prayer, but 
you're here today and you're not right with God, I was praying for you so much last night. You didn't come by accident. You didn't come to get a donut or a coffee. I believe you came to meet with God today and I know he came to meet with you. Maybe you're watching online. You felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. I pray that nothing I've said has made you feel like I'm angry or resentful about anything, but I am on assignment from God to come and tell you not so much about our problems, not so much about how we got here, but I'm here to tell you where we're going. The solution, his name is Jesus. If you're here under the sound of my voice or watching online, there's prayer partners standing by. We wanna pray for you. Maybe you wanna join the seven in the first service, maybe more that said, I need to be forgiven. I need to be made new. I'm not right with God, pastor, but I wanna leave knowing for sure. I'm not promised tomorrow, but I wanna know that my eternity is secure. If you need Jesus to come in, not only to save you, but to be your Lord, not just to make a decision for him, but to change the direction of your life. In a moment, I'm gonna to count to three and you're gonna lift your hand boldly. If you're online, you could just click prayer and they'll pray with you right there, but you're gonna make a decision to change your direction. Don't leave this place the way you came in. God loves you too much to let you go on. Send me to tell you, this is your day, the day of salvation. If you're not right with God, but you wanna be, when I count to three, lift your hand with boldness all across this house. I'll recognize it. We're gonna pray together. We're gonna sing and make a declaration about what we believe. And that's what we're saying. Today, God, I believe Jesus, that you paid a price I couldn't pay. The Bible says he died on the cross for you and for me. Died because of our sins, but he died for us. But he didn't stay dead. The Bible says he rose again three days later. That resurrection power that raised him out of the grave is gonna raise you up today as well. And you don't have to die dead in your sin. You could be made alive in him today. When I count to three, come on, lift your hand with boldness. This is the day. You're saved, you're set free, you're forgiven, you're made new. Come on, one, two, three, if that's you, lift your hand across this house. Boldly, boldly, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, ma'am, these six, seven, thank you, sir. In Jesus' name, I'm gonna ask everybody to pray out loud. If you just repeat after me, even the people watching online, come on, we're doing this together. It's a personal decision, but we get to walk this out together as the church family. We're, we got people joining the family of God today. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. My sins, my shortcomings, my failures, I give it all. So thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me life that I can live forever in Jesus' name. Come on, can we thank the Lord today for what he's done here, even now, even now. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing this declaration about what we believe here today. Come on, let's sing together. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook. 
or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.